This is Listen Again with the Bridge, your opportunity to hear Sunday's message. We hope you enjoy listening, and it all starts right now. Well, here we are. Week five, are you ready? Oh, that is weak. I've worn you out, I see. These last four have just been too hard. Let me try it again. Are you ready? Awesome. So if you're new with us, maybe you're here for the first time. This is week number five, the final week in a series we've entitled, But Everybody's Doing. And it really what this comes down to, I've opened every week the same, and that is there are things in this world that anybody, the, the, the wildest, worst heathen in the world would say, yeah, that's wrong. Murder, there's no doubt. There's something wrong with that. But there are things in our society, things in our culture today, that everybody does, that even people in this room would do, and we would say, eh, is it really that bad? I mean, people have been doing it for years, and they're going to continue to do it, so we should just give up and just do it. And those things we've been talking about, now we're just covering five weeks, there's probably other things, so you're not off the hook. If God's talking to you about something you've been doing, maybe you ought to just listen. But today, we're going to finish the series. So what we've been talking about, the first week was lying, the second week was gossip, we talked about anger on week number three, last week was really fun, right? Yeah, last week was lust, and today we're talking about pride. Pride. Before I dive in, I do want to remind you, I meant to tell you this earlier and I didn't get to do it. This afternoon, we are having our very first family meeting, and really what that comes down to is if you've ever been a part of a church, churches often do once a year business meetings and kind of just let you know where the church is at financially and those kinds of things. If you want to be a part of that, we're having that today at 2 o'clock right here. Now that I'm through promoting that, let's talk about pride. (laughs) I promise I won't be prideful this afternoon, but we have some pretty awesome things we want to share with you as well. But there's a lot going on in our minds when it comes to pride. It's a battle, constant battle, between humility and pride. And if we're being honest, there's something in all of us that sometimes wins. The pride will actually overcome the humility. Uh, D. Rockwell said this. He said, humility is never fully attained and arrogance is never fully defeated. There's always something in there, and we all struggle with this on one level or another. It's just the question of how much. So how many of you would be honest and raise your hand and say, I'm a prideful person? How many of you would raise your hand and say, I'm not going to raise my hand because I'm too prideful to raise my hand and say I'm a prideful person? So nobody raised their hand. Right. I get it. Here's, Here's an example of something that helps us understand we all deal with this. Have you ever had someone show you a group photo... And you're in that photo with the whole group. Who do you look at first? Who? Yourself. And when you look, you, the first thing is, do I look okay? How, am I dressed? Is my collar straight? Am I, is my hair right? And as long as you look good, it's a great photo, right? Doesn't matter how everybody else looks. But if you look bad, it's a bad photo. That's one of those things that kind of, we just go to that. We got to make sure we look good. We got to make sure we are acceptable. Proverbs 16.5, again, we're seeing throughout all five weeks, we've talked about, what does God say about this? What does God say about lying? What does God say about gossip? Well, here's what he says about pride, Proverbs 16.5, the Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. 
Another proverb, 16, uh, 18 and 19, it said, Pride goes before destruction. This sounds real familiar. You've heard this statement before. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Now, we've just shortened that to say pride goes before a fall. Verse 19 says, Better to be lowly in spirit along with the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. So what if we say, well, Chad, what about the fact that I'm, I'm proud of my kids? You know, I'm happy when they do something great. Or I'm, I'm proud of my church, of what God is doing there. You know what? You're proud of someone. That's a different kind of pride. What we're talking about today is a selfish, sinful type of pride. You know, like Lee Greenwood always said, I'm proud to be American, right? He sang that. And anytime that song comes on, my wife wants to sing it to the top of her lungs as though she's Lee Greenwood doesn't sound anything like him, but she loves to sing that song, and I can guarantee you on the 4th, there will be a tear in her eye, will there not? Every 4th of July. That's a different kind of pride. You can be proud to be an American. You can be proud of your kids. Those are great things. But I want to talk about today is three statements a prideful person would make. They're on the back of your bulletin, so if you walked in and received one of these, you can follow along with us on the notes, or you can go online and it's right there on the website as well if you want to follow along on your phone or tablet. But here's what we want to talk about. Three things a prideful person would say. The first one is this, I'm better than you kind of pride. Now, we don't say that out loud. Sometimes this is even hard for us to even recognize in our own lives, but we think it, we act certain ways because we have this mindset of I'm better than you pride. One of the ways it shows itself is with a critical attitude or a critical heart. If you ever see someone doing something and you're like, well, I wouldn't have done it that way. I could do that better. Catch yourself because it, it happens a lot. We, we find ourselves watching other people thinking, if only they would have done this, that would have been done well or right. Because we think our way of doing it is the only right way. And what that is is a reflection of a proud heart. Spiritual pride comes in in this area. We worship God the right way at our church. Other churches, they don't have the truth on exactly what, how you're supposed to worship or how you're supposed to have church. Our pastor preaches from the Word. How many times have you heard that about other churches? We have to be careful of spiritual pride. And often we see this in marriages. One thinks that they're always right and the other one's always wrong. We know how that works in my marriage. She's always right and I'm always wrong. That's how it'll always be. I'm okay with that. We can see a great illustration of this. Here's the cool thing about each one of these kinds of pride is we're going to see great illustration in God's Word. Jesus loved to teach with parables. He loved to tell stories, and in those stories, it would help us and those listening when he was telling the story how to understand what they were going through. And so let's look at a story that he told in Luke, and it's the story of a tax collector and a Pharisee. And for those of you who maybe didn't grow up in church, let me, let me help you understand these two people. The Pharisees, during this day, the Pharisees were known throughout the whole community as very religious in appearance. I mean, they looked the part. They wore really nice robes and, and always looked very nice. They would tithe off of everything that they received, and uh, they would fast two days a week so that they could pray. They were respected in the community. They were smart. They knew the Bible. They knew the law. So those are the Pharisees. And then we have this tax collector. Now, the tax collectors were hated. They were despised. Tax collectors were Jewish by birth, but... 
They were almost as if they were trading or betraying their own people because they were helping the Roman government by receiving the taxes. And they were thieves, and everybody knew it. So because they had the Roman government behind them, this is what a tax collector would do. They would come to your house, knock on the door, and let's say you owed $4,000 in taxes. They would say you owe $5,000 in taxes. They would get the $5,000 from you. If you didn't pay, you answered to the Roman government. You didn't want to do that, so you'd pay the $5,000. They would keep $1,000. They would turn the $4,000 in. And that is how they were known. They were hated because they were thieves. So we have this really well-respected Pharisee, and we have a tax collector in this story. And here's where Jesus talks about it. Luke chapter 18, verse 11. And it says, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. Here's what he prayed. Listen to the pride in this. God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people, robbers and evildoers and adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Now, one key reflection we see in this prayer is that prideful people are focused on themselves. If you'll notice, in the short little statement that he made, he prayed about himself four times. I thank you that I'm not like these other people. I tithe on what I get. It was all about him. And we find ourselves praying, God, take care of me. God, I need mine. Everybody else is getting theirs. It's, it's my turn. And we find ourselves praying prayers like that if we're not careful. And here's the thing about the Pharisee. He wasn't completely wrong in what he was saying. You understand, they lived a good life. I mean, by the time they were 12 years old, a Pharisee had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. It was called the Torah. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Not just the names. Literally, all five books, they had to know them by heart. They lived by the law. So again, in appearance, they looked good. He probably was a better person in looks than a tax collector. And so as he's praying, he's not totally wrong in what he's praying, but instead of seeing the good things in his life as a gift from God, he saw his life as a gift to God. As if he was doing God a favor by the way he was living. And that's what you hear in his prayer. He was so full of himself, there was no room for God. You ever been there? You ever had so much pride that you had no room for God? If your life is based on value by what you accomplish and how you compare to everybody else, then you have a pride problem. We talked about week two that, that really gossip has a lot to do with comparison. Pride is the same way. Pride has a lot to do with comparison because we begin to look at ourselves towards others and we go, at least I'm better than that guy. Just like this Pharisee was praying, we start man leveling ourselves up towards everybody else and as long as I'm doing better than them, that is pride talking. So before we go too far at looking down on the Pharisee, we must understand we all have a little bit of that in us. Well, I live in the right neighborhood. I carry the purse with the right name on it. You know, I serve at the church that's the right church, and uh, I live, you know, in the right area. Whatever it may be, if we're not careful, we see ourselves as a gift to God instead of seeing these as gifts from God. So what's the tax collector pray? Look at verse 13. Here's what he says. He stood at a distance. He wouldn't even go into the temple. 
He didn't feel worthy. He would not even look up to heaven. And he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Do you see the humility in that? It's the proud versus the humble. And Jesus tells the story, and he basically says the tax collector, the one that everybody despised, is the one who walked away justified. Why? Because he was humble. Now, why why is Jesus even telling the story? Obviously, he had a reason behind this parable. The reason behind the story is the Pharisees had gotten really good at looking down on others. And here's the thing I want you to understand. Your relationship with God can't be separated from your relationship with others. I want you to remember this as we go into the the latter part of this sermon and we conclude today. The vertical always impacts the horizontal. The closer you are to Him, the less pride there's going to be. The closer you are to Him, the more you're going to see other people as they are and not just see yourself as better than them. So keep that in mind as we conclude today that the vertical always affects the horizontal. So there's this I'm better than you pride. Here's the second one. I can do it myself pride. I don't need anybody else. How do you know if you struggle with this? Well, if you have a difficult time asking for help, if you have a difficult time receiving from someone in a moment of need, you may just have a problem with this. Well, I just don't want to bother anybody. No, you just are prideful and you don't want to look as though you need help. So if you find it difficult to receive, like someone else wants to help you, give you something, bless you, and you're like, oh, just give it to somebody else. You're afraid you're going to look like you were in need. And if you find yourself, let me me tell you one of the telling things about a person that says, I don't need anybody else. I can do this myself. They have a very on-again, off-again relationship with God. What that looks like is, when I need God, I'm going to call on Him, but as long as life's going well, I don't need Him. I can do it myself. And we find ourselves not even calling on God in those times, just like today in worship. You're not thanking God for all that He's done and the good things that are going on in your life. It's, you don't even talk to God until something happens and all of a sudden it's like, God, I need you on this one, but other than that, I've got it. I can take care of it. So if you have that on-again, off-again relationship with God, maybe deep down you're thinking, I can do this without God until you can't. Are we having fun yet? (laughs) You have probably heard the story of Jesus telling of the prodigal son. And this is a great example of this kind of pride. This story is found in Luke chapter 15. And the story goes as there was a man with two sons. And the younger son decided he didn't like the way they lived at their house. He didn't like the way things were going, and he wanted to leave. But he wasn't just going to leave and say, I'm out of here. He actually went to his dad, if you can imagine the boldness here, to say, hey, I want my inheritance now, and I'm out. Give me my inheritance, and I'm leaving. That's to say, I know how to live life better than you, so I'm going to go live it on my own. What a hurtful thing to do to your father. But the Bible tells us this man went to his his father and he said, give me mine, I'm leaving. And if this were a modern day story, okay, I'm going to have a little fun. This wasn't scripture, but how the story goes, if it were today, is this guy spent all his money, he maxed out his credit cards, and he bought expensive cars, and he started drinking beer and vaping and all kinds of fun stuff like that. Before long, he couldn't support his lifestyle. He started living on his friend's couch. And then the friend kicked him out. Before long, he realizes 
I thought I knew of a better way of living. Now I'm out of everything. And actually in the real story, if you want to read it in Luke chapter 15, it actually talks about how he was working for a farmer, feeding the pigs, feeding the swine, and he wanted to eat what they were eating. That's how hungry he had gotten. And I love the story and the line where Jesus is telling this. Verse 17, Jesus says this. He says, when he came to his senses. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been living a certain way? People even trying to tell you, man, you don't want to do that. That's not. And, and then all of a sudden, you come to your senses. Anybody ever just come to your senses at one point? I'm the only one. Thank you for leaving me hanging today. Appreciate that. I think we've all had those moments where we come to our senses. Reality hits, and it's like, you know what? This isn't right. When he came to his senses, he said this. How many of my father's hired men have food to spare and I'm here starving to death? He says, I will set out and I will go back to my father and I will say to him. Now remember, he's already been to his father and said, pretty much, I don't like the way you live, so I want my money and I'm leaving. Remember the prideful man who said that? Listen to the humility in what he's going to say to his father. He said, I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. Is this not the perfect example of the scripture we read out of Proverbs? Pride comes before a fall. Pride is what's set in this man's heart. The idea that he was going to leave, take his money, take what he, owe, what he was owed, and he was going to go live his own life. Until he fell, until he was out of everything, and he went going back home to dad. But he did it with humility. Something changed as he came to his senses. If you battle with this, I can do it myself, pride, can I tell you it's time to humble yourself? It's time to come to your senses. How does that play out? Well, maybe your marriage is not going well, and you're in trouble, and you've said for a long time, people talk about counseling, we don't need no counseling. I'm not going to have somebody else tell me how to love my wife. I'm not going to have somebody else tell me how to love my husband. You've been putting it off too long. And can I tell you, for the sake of the covenant you made to your spouse, get some help. Humble yourself. Receive the help that you need in that moment. Others of you have been trying to handle an addiction. An addiction that has been consuming you for years. And your life has been going the wrong direction. And you just keep going. And you haven't come to your senses yet. And if you will just humble yourself and say, you know what? I need to get some help. You can say, I can stop at any time I want. Can I just tell you? If you haven't yet, you're probably not going to without some help. Humble yourself. Get the help that you need. Open up to your spouse. Come talk to me. Do whatever you need to do to find some help. So we have this, I'm better than you pride. We have this, I can do it myself pride. There's a third one. It doesn't apply to me. Yeah, those are the rules, but that doesn't apply to me. I'm going to be honest with you. I had a problem with this in college. I have lots of fun memories in college. Had a lot of good times. Did you know I got kicked off, off my floor my second year of college? I couldn't even go back and room with my roommate because of the fun that I was having. Because the rules didn't apply to me. 
We had an RA. If you never lived on a college campus or in a dorm, you had an RA that kind of was over that floor. And this RA, he, he liked to stick to the rules. And he was a little, if you ask me, he was a little too much of a rule keeper, which all of us on my end of the floor, my roommate and sweet mates, we began to look at that and go, no, we don't, we don't handle this well. So we're going to make him pay, right? And we did. So I remember taking a 55-gallon trash barrel filling it full of water, and leaning it against his door at three in the morning. I played baseball at the time, so we all go back and get in bed as if everybody's asleep, and then I pound on the floor with my ball bat. He has to come rushing out to find out what happened. Kids don't do this at home, okay? To which when he whipped the door open, the barrel fell in, and all the water completely saturated his floor. We were on the second floor, so the room below him also saturated with water. And we laughed and we had a great time with that because the rules didn't apply to us. Did we take a kid down that was annoying and we taped him to a table and we shaved his head? Yeah, because he was annoying and the rules didn't apply to us. Therefore, I couldn't go back to that floor. I can laugh about those things now and I look back and go, wow, Here I stand on this stage and you're going, you did that? Yes, I did. I'm not proud of it, but I did it. Because the rules didn't apply to me. You know, we find ourselves living life thinking, the rules don't apply to me. I can can live with that person. It doesn't matter. No, we're not married, but the rules don't apply to us. Last Sunday, we talked about lust. And what happens is people get caught up in something and they, they begin to tell themselves and justify that by saying, yeah, it's, it's not hurting anybody. The rules don't apply to me. Yeah, the Bible says we should give, but that rule doesn't really apply to me. I just, I just let everybody else do that and take care of the church. Yeah, we should forgive because Christ forgave us first, but you don't know what that person did to me. Those rules don't apply to me. And if we're not careful, pride begins to determine what applies to us. I love this story. We talked about this story last week. It's the story of David and Bathsheba. And I'm going to tell this a little bit again. But there's a part I didn't tell last week that really applies to today. It's my favorite part of this. But David, he was a king. Typically, kings would go off with the army to battle. But David didn't. He didn't go where he was supposed to go, so he wound up doing what he wasn't supposed to do. He was standing on the rooftop overlooking the other houses, and Bathsheba was taking a bath, and he began to look at her, and he began to see her, and he began to think those thoughts. And before long, he was tempted enough that he wanted to have her, so he sent a person to bring her to him. We know he committed adultery with that person. While her husband was off fighting, Because the rules didn't apply to David. So what did he do? He wanted to cover it up. He didn't want there to be a problem. He didn't want to get out. So what's he do? He sends her husband to the front lines and has him killed off in battle so that he wouldn't have to face this issue. So that he wouldn't have to deal with it because the rules didn't apply to him. And I love this because as much as that's a horrible thing, can you believe a guy would go that far? I want you to listen to what happens next. There's a man named Nathan. Nathaniel, if you will. Nathaniel was watching all of this happen. 
David, the guy he looked up to, his king, is making huge mistakes. And he's watching him ruin his own life and the lives of those around him. And I think there's some of us in the room that have probably been there. You've been watching somebody else do some things and you're like, man, they're just destroying their life. And you try to go to them and talk to them and the pride, they just don't hear it. They don't want to hear anything of it. But the Lord told Nathaniel to go to David. And he went to David and he said, David, I want to tell you a story. This is all in 2 Samuel. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, Nathanael begins to tell David a story and it goes like this. He said, hey David, there was this rich guy who had lots of cattle and sheep and, and he had a ton. And then there was this other poor guy and he had one little lamb. That's all he had. And so he tells David, this rich guy has the poor guy over and they're going to eat dinner. And instead of him offering one of his own animals, because the rich guy had all kinds, he could have picked from any of them. He took this one little guy's lamb and he fed it to him for dinner. David hears this story and he's livid. He's like, this cannot go unpunished. What an awful thing. And he's, the Bible actually tells us his heart burned with anger towards this person. He's livid. He's upset. And at that point, Nathan, Nathaniel looks at him and says, you're the man. You're that guy. What you've been doing with Bathsheba, you're the man. He had to be truthful with him. Can I tell you something? One of the most loving things you can do for another person sometimes is look them right in the face and tell them the truth. That is not easy to do. Two times this week, sitting in my office, I got to look someone in the face and tell them the truth. It's hard to do sometimes, but it's sometimes what people need to hear. So note takers, a great way to explain this pride you know, this idea that we, the rules don't apply to us. What that is, that pride that you're having on the inside, that, that when you can't come to your senses, if you notice, David, he didn't come to his senses on his own. It took someone else telling him a story. And when he hears the story of someone else, he's livid. He's like, how could a person do that? Not realizing it's his own life that he's ruining. So here's the thing. Pride is the inward emotion that causes us to, us to carry out the outward actions. Pride is that inward emotion that leads to the outward actions. And it's actions we would not even want to be a part of. Things we wouldn't even want to do, we find ourselves doing because we think, the rules, they don't apply to me. David had lied to himself and convinced himself that it didn't hurt anything what he was doing. He was covering it up. Can I say lovingly and humbly that there are some of you in the room that are living this kind of pride. The rules just don't apply to me. And if there's an area in your life where you're saying that, if there's an area of your life where you're in direct rebellion to the truth of God, it's time to humble yourselves. It's time to have an, get rid of that I'm better than you pride and humble yourselves and love and serve others. Excuse me. If you feel like I can handle it on myself, all myself, it's time to humble yourself. Ask for help. Receive what someone's willing to offer. And if you think that God's truth does not apply to you, you need to humble yourselves, repent, and surrender your life to God. So here's what I want to close with. Why is this so important? 
There's a couple of key thoughts I want to conclude with. Note takers, some of you are out there that like to write things down. This would be one of them. We talked about this in the beginning, that the vertical always will impact the horizontal. So here's the thought for you today. The prouder you are, the further you will fall from God. The prouder you are, the further you will fall from God. Yet the closer you are to God, the more humble and broken you will become. And I have a great example of this in Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah was a prophet. God spoke to Isaiah all the time. And in Isaiah chapter 5, if you want to read it for yourself, I don't have time to share it with you today, but the prophet Isaiah is looking at other people. He's comparing himself. We talked about how pride has to do with comparison. He's comparing himself to others, and he's saying, basically, I'm good and you stink. There's probably an area of your life where all of us could do that. We could go, man, I'm really good in this area, and everybody else stinks in that area. Six times in Isaiah chapter 5, you will find Isaiah saying, woe to you. Here's some of them right here. He says, woe to you who drink too much and party too much. Who are you? He said to another group, woe to you who call what is evil good and you call what is good evil. He said another one. He said, woe to another group. You who are wise in your own eyes, you think you know it all. Six times he's saying, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you in Isaiah chapter 5. But then you get to Isaiah chapter 6. And if you look at his writing, he says, when I saw the Lord high and lifted up, I was speechless. First of all, he didn't even know what to say when he saw God. But then scripture says, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted. His train of his robe was filling the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. They had two wings that covered their face, two wings that covered their feet, two wings that allowed them to fly. And they were calling out to one another saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is full of his glory. So Isaiah is seeing this as he's in the presence of God. And in verse 5, instead of saying, woe to you when he saw the Lord, look at his words, woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King and the Lord Almighty. See, the prouder you are, the faller, farther from God you're going to fall. But the closer you are to God, the more humble you're going to find yourself the more you're going to see others the way he sees them. The less you're going to compare. The more you're going to see yourself for who you really are. So will you bow your heads with me? I'll begin with this question. How much time have you spent in the presence of God lately? How much time have you spent in prayer with God lately because the closer you are to him the less opportunity you have to find pride in your life the more you see God the more you see yourself for who you really are woe to me I don't have to look at others and go well at least I'm better than they are when I'm seeing God for who he is 
It lets me see who I am. First Peter chapter 5, Peter said this to us. He says, God says, all of you. That, that's all of us, right? Nobody's exempt from this. It says, clothe yourselves with humility. Isn't that interesting? That we should have such a humility on us that it's like a tire. It's like what we're wearing. That when other people see us, they see humility. They don't see pride. They don't see comparison. They don't see us measuring up to say, where do you work? How much do you make? What do you drive? They see humility. Why? He goes on to say, because a God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. Have any one of these spoken to you today? Have you had that I'm better than you pride? Maybe not even realizing it until we're talking about it today. Have you, have you had that idea that, you know what, I don't need anybody else. I can do this on my own. You have a hard time receiving from others. You have a hard time accepting help. Or maybe you've just had that mentality of the rules don't really apply to me. Those are there to keep everybody else in check, but I'm doing fine on my own. Here's the fun thing. All five weeks, we've concluded every single week by praying this scripture. We get to do this one more time. I would encourage you, if you haven't already written this scripture down, if you haven't already uh, got it highlighted in your Bible or hanging on your fridge, what a great scripture to live your life by every single day. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. And we're going to pray it together as we conclude this series today. As we conclude this message today, will you pray this with me and just repeat after me? Search me, O God. Know my heart. Know my anxious thoughts. I skipped a part. Say, test me. There we go. Know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. For those of you in the room that maybe have never prayed a salvation prayer, you've never asked Jesus into your heart, maybe God is speaking to you today. This prayer is a perfect prayer for you to pray, just to say, God, search my heart. If there's anything in there that offends you, that, that takes me away from you, will you remove that from my heart? He can do that. All you have to do is ask because he sent his son to die for each and every one of us so that we can be forgiven, so that our sins are wiped away as far as the east is from the west. And by praying that prayer, that last line of that scripture says it's leading us along the path of everlasting life. Your life will not end when you die on this earth. You will live an eternity with God. So I want to give you the opportunity to pray that prayer this morning. For those of you who maybe heard this message and you're struggling with pride, this is your opportunity to say, God, I need you. 
I've been trying to do this on my own a long time. It's time to give in. It's time to surrender. It's time to humble myself. Do me a favor. Will you all stand with me? We're going to conclude with communion today. I think it's a wonderful, perfect opportunity as we're concluding this series to be able to receive communion. Again, communion, if you're new, maybe you don't understand, this is something we do to remember what Christ did. So he had a last supper with his disciples and he said, Take, eat, this is my body. And they ate of the bread and then they drank of the juice and he said, this is my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. So when we take communion today, if you've accepted Jesus into your heart, then you are invited to do that with us, anyone in the room. But as you're doing that, I pray that you would take a moment to remember what Christ did. And here's the cool thing. As we're concluding this series, I want to ask you to all do something. There is, can I, can I begin by saying there is nothing about this that is like supernatural. This is for our hearts and our minds only. But as we're, we've talked about lying, we've talked about gossip, we've talked about anger, we've talked about lust, and we've talked about pride. All of these things are things that anyone in this room could probably say, man, I've dealt with that at some point in my life. Some more than others. I'm going to ask you to just hold your hands out, fists closed, just like this. You don't have to raise your hands. I'm not asking you to do anything supernatural here. We're just going to hold them fists closed. What this is, some of you have been holding on to some of those things. Didn't want to like, I like to gossip. It makes me feel better that I can talk about others. I like being able to lie because I look better in those moments. I like looking at those photos that just, those rules don't really apply to me. Whatever it may be that you've been holding on to, here's my prayer. As, as we're going to go into communion, I'm going to ask you to do one thing. Before we pray, just turn those hands over and let go. Father, we're letting go of anything in this moment that we've been holding on to. We've been clutching, afraid to let go of because it was going to change us. Maybe we would look different to others. They wouldn't see us the same. Father, the pride that has, we've just been gripping, 
feeling that we're better than someone else so we can get through the day. Whatever it may be out of these things, God, we release that right now. We are surrendering our lives to you in these five areas. Lord, if there is anything else, God, you know our hearts. We've prayed that prayer. Search our hearts. I pray that you would would help us to release those things right now as we surrender to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.